Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. Oh, let us all both sing and pray to God with love this Advent day. In Bethlehem, that Christmas morn, there was a blessed Messiah born. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church, advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. With thankful heart and joyful mind, the shepherds went the babe to find. And as God's angel had foretold, they with a Savior Christ behold. Within a manger he was laid, and by his side the virgin maid. Good people all, this Advent time, consider well and bear in mind what our good God for us has done in sending His beloved Son. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message.
Today's scripture is Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 10. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hands on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. May, May God, God bless this reading.
Amen. Thank you, choir. Will you pray with me, please, the words of preparation which are printed in your bulletin or, or in your online digital bulletin? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, last Sunday, a group of us gathered in the Fellowship Hall to watch the documentary Mission Joy, which chronicles five days of conversation between the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. It's a great film, full of wisdom and joy. And if you missed it last week, don't worry, m many of the streaming services also have it available, so I encourage you uh, to, to check it out. Um, it, it also follows along with the companion book for this series, um, The Book of Joy. And if, uh, if you haven't read that, I encourage you to pick that up too. So as part of the conversations that transpired over these five days, these two spiritual masters returned to their childhoods, both of which included great suffering. For the Dalai Lama, having been identified as the reincarnation of the previous Dalai Lama at age two, he was taken away from his mother as a toddler and to the Potola Palace in the holy city of Lhasa. There he was educated and trained in the ways of monastic Buddhism. Then, as you may know, the Chinese government invaded Tibet and he was called to assume full political authority as well as spiritual leadership for the Tibetan people. And after nine years of attempting diplomatic solutions to maintain an autonomous Tibet, the Dalai Lama was forced to flee from his home country and the spiritual center of Tibetan Buddhism. Depicted through animation in the movie that we watched last week, he, he was shown um, uh, disguised as a soldier with his characteristic round glasses as he, as, um, he fled. Although that actually, that, that little piece was inaccurate because other histories state that as the Dalai Lama fled, he had to remove his glasses because they made him too recognizable. And even now, when you know you see a, 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 an older gentleman in a Buddhist monastic robes, and you see those those round glasses, you know that's the Dalai Lama. But the problem was, I mean, how many of you wear glasses? Can you see without your glasses? <laughs> so uh, the problem was he's he's escaping, and he couldn't really see. His viewscape was reduced to shadows and shapes. So can you imagine fleeing not just through an, an armed occupation where those who are carrying guns are looking for a reason to arrest you, but also doing this without really being able to see? The Book of Joy describes it in this way. The Dalai Lama's blurred vision must have heightened his sense of fear and uncertainty as the escape party snuck by garrisons of the People's Liberation Army. They endured sandstorms and snowstorms, 
as they summited 19,000-foot mountain peaks during their three-week escape. As I watched the film, seated next to my mom, who is dealing with Alzheimer's disease, I wondered if the Dalai Lama's spectacleless experience, fleeing in the night through insecure and unfamiliar terrain, is what people with Alzheimer's and advanced dementia experience every day. The former signposts and recognizable features of home and neighborhood are blurred. Or these markers may seem entirely new. It could seem like stepping off a plane into a new country again and again. It can be destabilizing or seem like things are completely out of control. You know, one of the things I've come to realize about our lives during lockdown in the first year of the pandemic is that while at first it felt like things were completely out of control, it quickly became possible to create an illusion of control. Confined to our homes, for many of us, there was more control in some ways than we had had previously no traffic jams to have to adjust arrival time to, no unexpected encounters, only scheduled Zoom meetings, predictable meal times, basically predictable days. But in spite of what we might be able to imagine inside our homes, the truth is, as we all know, we live in a complex world with factors that do impact us moving all the time. A sense of control over all aspects of reality is always an illusion. And as we reflect on that time, many of us are trying to make sense of it. What was that time? Do you even remember what you did during that time? As the days ran into one another, each day seemingly distinct and ordered, but in, upon reflection, what happened? As we reflect, we have to ask, did that state of uh, a, a seeming sense of control bring us happiness? Did it bring us joy? And now as lockdowns have lifted, emerging has been hard, continually hard. I think getting easier, but still hard. And the truth is we never had the control we might have imagined. I have found that rather than trying to get to how things were before the pandemic or trying to regain the control that I felt like I had during the lockdown, I mean, I did lose 10 pounds, which I gained all back. So I did, there was a kind, there was something that did happen. <laughs> um, but I found that it's most useful and real to recognize that in that time or this one, proceeding with faith is what, I am called to do. In that time, or this one, proceeding with faith is what we are always called to do. Faith doesn't mean we are in control or out of control. It simply means we acknowledge that there is a power greater than ourselves who wills our well-being and is constantly influencing us and our world for good. A power greater than ourselves who is constantly trying to break in to our lives, incarnate as joy and love. 
And our job is to tune in to that power and to follow where we are led. That tuning in and following is called faith. That is how I'm making sense of that time. In this time and that time, at all times, we are called to live as people of faith. Our scripture today, which you heard Maylin and Jordan read, is from Isaiah. And it references a time in the life of Israel when the northern kingdom of Judah was independent. And that independence gave a brief illusion of control. But there were outside pressures, both from the south, uh, Israel to the south and Syria to the east, um, that, that was putting pressure on Judah to join them in a military campaign against Assyria, who was pressing up from the other direction. And the prophet Isaiah advised the king of Judah to ignore these pressures and to remember that it was Yahweh to whom Judah owed allegiance. But the king didn't take it Isaiah's advice and sided with the Assyrians against Judah's neighbors. Again, this action gave an illusion of control, allowing Judah to briefly extend its independence. But in a short time, Judah, Judah was conquered by its one-time ally, Assyria, resulting in diaspora and exile. While the politics of this scene may seem complicated, the underlying human need of desiring control and clarity and familiarity is timeless. Then, as now, practicing our faith calls us to remember that our lives are in God's hands. Even if we can't see the terrain ahead clearly, God is holding our lives and guiding us into fresh new places we can't even imagine. The scripture calls on the faithful of Judah to trust God, letting go of the senses that we typically rely on as God guides us and leads us. Hear these words. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. To turn our attention toward God is to let go of our attention on ourselves. To remember that it is Yahweh that holds our lives is to let go of our illusion of control, our strategies, our projects. And when we turn our attention away from ourselves, we can begin to train our attention through the eyes and ears and mind of God to a focus on others. When we focus on the needs of others, the idea of control over our own life, uh, lives shapeshifts. And the blurriness of what is right around us begins to matter less as the magnificent life in God unfolds before us and comes into focus through our connection with others. In the book of Joy, we read that all Dharma teachings agree on one point, that the way to joy is to lessen one's self-absorption. 
One of the original Tibetan texts clarified that when we focus on ourselves, we are destined to be unhappy, stating, contemplate that. As long as you are too focused on your self-importance and too caught up in thinking about how you are good or how you are bad, you will experience suffering. Instead, always maintain only a joyful mind, alive to the present moment and to the needs of others. To shift one's attention from one's own cares and self-protections and worries takes trust. And trust is essential to faith. But the beautiful thing about faith is that it is not possibly to fully trust in God and, and maintain a focus on oneself. And as our scripture for today from Isaiah attests, a focus shifts as focus shifts from self to others, new and fresh visions become possible. Hear these words again. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might the spirit of knowledge and reverence of the Lord, and he will delight in the reverence of God. The Dalai Lama's translator, Jimpa, has written about joy as, our, as being our essential state. But Buddhists also believe that joy can be cultivated as a skill, and I believe the same is true about faith. We are all born with an essential capacity to have faith. And at the same time, faith will always require a leap away from what is known empirically, away from what can be controlled, to a place where ultimate power is acknowledged as outside of ourselves. For some people, this is a short leap. And in my 30 years of experience as a pastor, I have observed that for some the leap is longer. I don't know for sure if we are born with a certain faith leap length or if our experiences in, in life result in a lengthening of that leap. But what I do know is that for all of us, faith is a practice. And faith, like joy, is both an essential part of our nature and also a skill to be cultivated. One of the things that is said about those um, with cognit cognitive impairments is that the, they can be assisted in functioning by something that is called cognitive reserve. Cognitive reserve is defined as our brain's ability to improvise and, and find workarounds and, and move uh, and, and get to the same place uh, in a, from a different route. It's developed through practices of learning and curiosity. And what I have observed in my own mom is that her practices of faith, the songs, the habits of prayer, the memorized pieces of scripture have not only been retained, but provide her comfort and even joy and a way to navigate her days. The joy comes as she taps into that ultimate power and goodness and love that essential nature 
of faith and that those habits of practice. And it happens because she has had a lifetime of cognitive reserve in faith. The co-author of the Book of Joy, Doug Abrams, said to the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Tutu as they discussed the habits of faith that produce joy, the joy that you are talking about is not just a feeling. It's not something that just comes and goes. It's something much more profound. And it sounds like what you are saying is that joy is a way of approaching the world. Many people are waiting for happiness or joy. When they get a job or when they fall in love or when they get rich, then they will be happy and then they will have joy. But what you are talking about, Abram said to Archbishop Tutu and the Dalai Lama, what you are talking about is something that is available right now. In this season of Advent, as we await and prepare once again for the coming of the Christ child, may we joyfully practice those habits of faith, trusting that this is the way that we open to the presence of God around us, God always manifesting, God always incarnating, God always inbreaking. And may we sink into our essential nature of faithfulness, trusting that God is coming and has come, incarnating joy, available now. Amen.
You've been listening to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week. Oh, heavenly day. All the clouds blew away Got no trouble today If anyone The smiles on your face I live only to see It's enough for me Epworth It's enough for me On this heavenly day Heavenly day Heavenly day Tomorrow may rain with sorrow Here's a little time that we can borrow Forget all our troubles in these moments so few All we've got right now and one thing that we really can choose Is to have ourselves a heavenly day Lay back and watch the trees sway Who oh, can't seem to go other way, away Heavenly day, heavenly day, heavenly day No one had my shoulders bringing me fear I got no clouds above me Bringing me tears I got nothing to tell you I've got nothing much to say Only glad to be here with you On this heavenly, 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 heavenly day All my troubles gone away For a while anyway, anyway Heavenly day, heavenly day, heavenly day Heavenly day, heavenly day, heavenly day, heavenly day day.